Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Daniel McAdams, our co-host. Daniel, good to see you. Good to be back, Dr. Paul. How are you? Good. Yeah. Good to see you here. Yeah. We survived, but barely. Uh, no. I think you did better without me. Oh, no. <laughs> Everybody missed you. We did calls like crazy. Was Daniel coming? <laughs> did Biden call? <laughs> yeah, he, he had some things to say we can't repeat. <laughs> so anyway, um, I think, you know, we have to decide about good news or bad news. We have to give everybody a hint. So I think what we're going to start with is um, pretty good news. Uh, they heard we were having a rally and had a rally yeah. in, in uh, Washington, and it went pretty well and, and uh, brought people together rather than divide them. A few uh, independents, a few libertarians, and a few Democrats, and a few constitutionalists got together and had a rally for peace. Well, guess what? That just happened in uh, Berlin. Yeah. And uh, that's a very good. Thousands, it says, protest in Berlin against giving weapons to Ukraine. Yeah. You know, when I saw that, we know exactly what they're talking about. And it's appealing to the American people because the American people are being robbed and then they give away the weapons. And my suggestion was, is maybe this wouldn't last so long if the military industrial complex, if they wanted to sell the weapon, we wouldn't prohibit it. But they deal with the people they're giving the weapons to. Yeah. And uh, I, I just wonder whether there'd be a lot less sales than if they had to rob and guarantee these payments or print the money and inflate it. So the, those circumstances, the conditions make it more conducive. But we've been doing it for years. The empire uh, has been uh, really growing by loops and bounds, uh, but there are some weak spots ever since World War II. And so uh, this is, this is one thing that we talk about a lot, and we, we just believe that a foreign policy should be the driving force of why we don't need, need this type of government. We need to, you know, key in on protecting liberty for the people in this country, having sound currencies and things that the, you know, the Constitution suggested. But not, we have this, but where are we going from here? Are we going to get worse? Or are there some improvement? And there was a time where it kept getting worse on COVID. Yeah. Things went downhill, and yet they reversed itself. They're not better completely, but they're better than they were. The people finally got fed up with it. So maybe the people who want peace throughout the world may be seeing through all this. This is a money game. It has nothing to do with protecting personal liberty for individuals. Yeah, absolutely. In the D.C. event, you know, they would say it's, it's small. Yes, there could have been a lot more people there. And you wrote about it today, which is surprising anyone showed up considering, you know, what a dump it is in, in D.C. and also the propaganda. So I don't think that that matters as much. But I think you also made a great point is that Rachel Maddow, I mean, if you listen to her rant about it, she said it was a bunch of white supremacists, proud boys, communists <laughs> and Russians that were there. And I, I didn't see any of those. I guess I, I must have been sleeping through the whole event. There were a couple of Russian flags. I thought maybe those were the feds, right? <laughs> uh, and a couple of uh, USSR flags. I thought maybe those were the feds, but everyone else, hey, they cheered when I said Lou Rockwell's name, so they had to have been a good crowd. <laughs> but I just think it was, um, I think they're getting nervous, as you said, and that's why they're doing it. But I think it started, and even though that wasn't huge, I think just it takes a little bit of a momentum to grow and to grow. And that's what we've seen in Berlin, in London, in Paris, throughout Germany over this past weekend. In fact, this is the article we're referring to. And what, what I think is most remarkable beyond just the reporting 
is that this is in The Guardian, which is the most pro-war, pro-Ukraine paper in Europe, probably, or very close to it. They're being forced to admit that there is a groundswell of opposition to the continuing um, advancement of the war, the continuing escalation of the war. So it says, thousands protest in Berlin against giving weapons to Ukraine. Subtitle being about 13,000 gather at Brandenburg Gate. Well, of course, they're going to lowball the numbers, Dr. Paul. They always do. Other estimates were at 50,000. I saw a massive, massive crowd in several of the pictures that I've seen taken from it. It looked a heck of a lot larger than 13,000. But the fact that the Guardian puts this on and highlights it, I think it says that they're recognizing the tide is turning. You know, the story on Rachel, I think, is interesting because there is a reaction and we hear it when when the opposition comes out and they start saying things. And when government participates, then it can be restrained, you know, with social media. But if somebody comes up and says it and they're expressing their opinion, people should be cautious about saying this silencer. She's terrible. The other way is you could look at it and say, she doesn't even help her own cause. Yeah, I mean, what she does is to stir up and say, "Are those the kind of people that we're yeah, that we're concerned about?" And so, uh, but we've distinguished it pretty clearly that when government gets involved and and uh, are in partnership with the government and social media to censor people and regulate speech, that's a different story. But I think uh, if, if if an individual gets up and you don't like them, the last thing we should resort to is get up government power there we can silence those okay. individuals you got to combat I- bad ideas with good ideas yeah i know she's her worst enemy so <laughs> but it's funny that you mentioned COVID because this is one of the notes that i took and we were going to talk about this to me this feels it, it to, actually feels like deja vu because we did this a couple of years ago when when the germans and the europeans finally started waking up about COVID. remember and they took to the streets no more lockdowns no more masks no more force vax thousands and millions of them took to the street. That's when the tide started to turn. This is what it feels like to me, the beginnings of that rumbling. And in fact, in the Guardian article, one of the Germans interviewed said something like, they took advantage of the fact that we were beaten down by their COVID regulations to start this new Ukraine war thing. And I think there's probably something to be said for that. But um, very clearly, the tide of public opinion is changing in Europe. And we've been noting it in the U.S. how from last a year ago, where everyone was high on this war, they were going to, we were going to finally defeat the Russians, to now there's a lot different view in the U.S. Well, the same is happening in, in Europe. And this is just one poll. This is in Germany. This is a YouGov.gov poll. Let's put that next one up if we can. And this has been repeated. There was an Ipsos poll that did the same thing. I think you mentioned that. Majority of Germans against tank and jet deliveries to Ukraine survey. So more than half of the respondents of the YouGov poll believe Germany has become party to the Ukraine conflict. More than half, that's critical mass. You have a government that is holding a minority opinion, Dr. Paul, and pushing it. And here's, this, here's that one metric, if you can put the next one on and I'll send it back. But according to the poll, a majority of people in Germany also believe that German arms deliveries to Ukraine mean involvement in the war. 51% agreed with the assessment, while only 37% disagreed. The German people are waking up and do not like the kind of government they have right now. You know, I, I think it's interesting that uh, there may be a similarity 
because I think uh, it was announced today that Russia might be helping Germany get some fuel. Some oil, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and they didn't allow, you know, we didn't allow a more natural market answer and allow a pipeline to be used <laughs> to pipeline, you know, they're the wrong people who were making the money yeah. on the oil, you know. But um, I, th I think uh, historically, uh, the, uh, the the Germans and the Russian people maybe maybe the 20th century was enough for them. Yeah. You, you know when you if you add up all of the tragedy of the fascism of the Germans and the and the uh, communism of the Russians and and the wars that went on those two countries suffered a lot and maybe maybe this is a, a, a bigger turning point than it appears on the surface because maybe the people have a history maybe they have family members maybe they talk about it and maybe they just uh, uh, you know are already suffering from the fact that they haven't fully recovered from that and COVID the inflation and uh, I, I would look for something positive there and, and say that uh, there's enough is enough and then the tragedy of uh, the market screaming the Cold War ends and the Europeans talk to the Russians and we talk to the Russians and they build this magnificent bridge you know to the east and, uh, and then a pipeline to the east yeah. and you know, then there somebody comes along and, and destroys it. I wonder who they were. They must not have been very nice people. Yeah. But I think the people who maybe belong to the same country, the people who did that, uh, ought to wake up too because I don't think that's what Americans are all about. And yeah, we are the participants in uh, thwarting all that. And we and we carry the, the, the big responsibility of stirring up the, the interest that people get really riled up, you know, the anti-Russia, we have to throw China in there yeah. too. Oh, yeah. uh, you, you can't possibly have an economic solution to any of that. And uh, I think that's a sign of insecurity rather than that being strong. I think there's a desperate attempt on the part of the media and governments, including the German government, to suppress the Hirsch revelations, you know, yeah. Seymour Hirsch's investigative report. They're desperate to suppress it. And I don't think they're able to do that. You're seeing uh, you're seeing Seymour Hersh in the media in Germany now more and more. There's more interest in, in interviewing him. That's going to get out, and the U.S. government has done not a single thing to refute it other than to say it's not true, which they've said about every one of his other reports that have eventually proven true. So it's not very convincing. It really does feel like this unbelievably uh, insane act by the Biden administration of blowing up the pipeline of its most important NATO ally will be a catalyst for a real break in relations between Washington and Berlin. And as you suggest, maybe a warming of relationships, uh, relations with Moscow. You're going to have to kick out Baerbock and a lot of people in the current German government. Uh, but you, you're starting to see that shift happening. And, you know, once these things start, uh, they have a way of really picking up steam. I like the name of the rally that they had, uh, Uprising for Peace, yeah, very, very, very positive. And, uh, but I also believe that uh, people are a little bit better than they're described. As you say, no, everybody hates everybody and there's a perpetual war forever and there has been a lot of wars. But I, I still think that, uh, you, you know, percentage-wise, there's more people that would like to just avoid the wars than that just that they want the war. But they get badgered into it with the lying and the propaganda and the more 
more you're emphasizing and trying to build an empire or compete with an empire, the worse things get. So there's a lot of lies told. And uh, I think that is a, a big problem. And that is one of the reasons I think we were motivated to present in our modest way, you know, an alternative what they hear incessantly over the television. Yeah. Well, it's not, it's not as we say, not, not confined to Germany. Let's put up this next... There's, I mean, I just did a quick scan of Twitter because there's tons of stuff out there. There was a huge rally in London. This is uh, Sam Ramadani t uh, tweeted this. The March for Peace in Ukraine and against NATO warmongers has just started in London. Thousands are taking part. Marching to Trafalgar Square. Uh, a lot of people here. Go to the next one. This is Paris. It's also very big. Massive protests in Paris call for France to exit NATO, exit the EU, and ed end military aid for Ukraine. Um, now this, of course, is something that our friend Colonel McGregor predicted at the very beginning, that this, if NATO goes in and does this, it's going to be the end of NATO. And it looks like people are honing in on the real issue, which is NATO itself, the NATO warmongering. It's not a defensive alliance. Ask any Yugoslav or Serb uh, or, or any Libyan or Syrian. Uh, so I think people are really honing in. And to see this spread like wildfire, it really does give you an optimistic feel. Yeah, you know, others have, uh, uh, Taft and Cannon did, did in his warnings of, of what, what would happen with NATO. And it has happened. But you just wonder, you know, why aren't the lessons better learned? And I, I think it's because there is a collusion. And it's, it is um, universities. I think that if you took all the universities of, of Europe, Europe as well as America, there's probably a lot of similarities and over it's certainly true in economics that's why people aren't for the gold standards because you, you've been taught in college for decades now 100 years now some you're an idiot if you think something like that but it's, it's university it's uh, it's philosophic and uh, and they preach the uh, gospel of war and necessity that uh, and then the, the weapon is if you don't if, if you don't go along with us you're under patriotic you don't care about troops you don't care about the people and they can use that and badger and put a guilt trip on people yeah. and uh, sometimes uh, that is all that they hear you know and then you hear the people saying oh against many of us now say oh you're just a Russian spy yeah. you know that kind of thing well that that means they don't have the that when they have to shout and use names and all I think it's a sign that they don't know what they're talking about and a sign of that they're insecure and they want to resort to just some type of a, a military operation to to compete with them well the other thing that did you, you remember this from the Iraq war uh, they would say that to you all open long <laughs> until it became unpopular and they said well I was always against that war you know? yeah. Do that until the very last minute. Oh, you're just a Saddam apologist. Then they'll, the next thing they'll say is, well, I was always against that war. Yeah. You just misinterpreted me. Well, let's move on to a related one. And this is written by our good friend and board member of RPI, David Stockman. And it's a great piece from antiwar.com uh, featured it today. And I think we'll probably put it up as well for our readers. But he, they call it Nine More Ukraines. Uh, and this is Stockman writing about Biden's meeting with the Bucharest Nine. And these are the nine... NATO member countries that border uh, the former Warsaw Pact nations and Russia itself. Uh, he makes a good point that they should never have been allowed in NATO, but now that they're there, Biden is giving them all reassurances. He's passing out cookies and candy, 
giving them all reassurances that the, re the U.S. is ready to join their fight if they have to fight Russia. Uh, and, he, and he says, uh, Biden must think he is the world's rich uncle. It does sound that way, doesn't it? Right. But, the, you know, there are several motivations for this because, one, ours, since especially World War II, uh, because the conditions were so ripe and so tempting to for us to become become the kingpin, you know, and a powerful empire, and we have. I mean, we we had, uh, you know, less damage to our country due to the war. Uh, we had a sound currency. It was backed by t tons and tons of gold, and uh, and and it was so easy for us to dictate the peace and then expand, and then <clears throat> instead of. Uh, banning saying well we don't have the soviet system now to worry about why why don't why don't we just let people be sovereign nations you know and and do things voluntarily rather than start starting nato and getting people to join and and force them into but i think there were people that really were in charge we're pushing for the empire. They love empire, they love power, but I still think they're a minority of people that get away with it and the people who believe otherwise have to get more active. And uh, of course, there's other motivations uh, for, for uh, you know, an empire uh, than just the, just the sense of, of greatness. It's, it's the money, it's the military oh, yeah. industrial complex. Those are the people that lobbied uh, you know in Washington and still lobby in Washington and uh, where the most money is spent but as long as that happened the the people who suspect that there's something mess around they, they came they came around to many came around to understanding that the uh, lies told about COVID just aren't true and every single day more information comes out it gets really sick you know you read about 21 year old football players yeah. another case of that die suddenly but they never tell you oh yes he he had three three bump a uh, booster shot yeah. he just had one a week ago that they that matter of fact they don't they don't allow that reporting you know they and they badger the medical community and yeah. that whole thing undermine the practice of medicine. Absolutely. Well, Stockman makes the point in his piece that, you know, up until uh, Lenin, Stalin and Khrushchev, Ukraine never had fixed borders. The eastern part was always majority Russian and pro-Russian, and it still is. You can see it from the voting patterns. Uh, and he goes through the history. It's a very good survey of the history and how we got to the point we are. It's very, very clear looking at Stockman and others that this was something cooked up in Washington more than anything else. Yeah. This was the neocons saying, we're gonna finally get our regime changed. We're gonna get the, the, big, the big enchilada here and, and, and overthrow Russia. Again, as usual, they mess it up because <laughs> everything they touch turns to dirt. But I wanted to put up, the, he has seven points and I'm sure you noticed them too, that I thought were so thoroughly reason, reasonable Stockman does in his piece that it would be worth reviewing. All of these would not only help end the war, they would make the United States stronger and more secure. Let's put up that next clip if you can, and let's go through them if we can. He's talking about going back to George Kennan uh, 26 years ago when he warned about NATO expansion. And so then Stockman said, well, well what, what can we do? What's some good idea? Now here are his seven points, and I think they're very good. Arrange exile for Zelensky in Costa Rica. He points out that's far better than he deserves. Agree to a settlement in Ukraine that partitions the country and allows the territories in the east and south, previously known as Novorossiya, to go their separate way or rejoin Mother Russia. Remove NATO's missiles and other advanced 
warfare uh, capabilities from the former Warsaw Pact countries so as to eliminate the military threat on Russia's doorstep. That makes sense. He referenced the Cuban Missile Crisis in his piece. Number four, arrange for the early dissolution of NATO after the Ukraine proxy war has been extinguished. And then go on to the next one. Five, reopen and complete an updated version of the nuclear arms treaties enacted near the end of the Cold War, two of which were abrogated by Washington and one this week by Moscow. Six, cut the egregiously bloated $850 billion defense budget by 50%, that's a good start, and lead the world into a new global treaty to drastically reduce the scale and cost of conventional arms. And finally, Dr. Paul, number seven, begin the nearly insuperable challenge of sharply paring back the nation's $2 trillion plus annual deficits, which extend as far as the eye can see. That's a good seven-point plan. Yeah, that's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, then we'll look at uh, only the individual countries and see if they're still abusing the civil liberties of their own citizens, yeah. which is yeah. still a problem, too. You know, uh, there, there was a time when, in our, in our early history, when we had defense early on, but it, it, to have a department, you didn't have a department of defense, you had a department of war. Yeah. You know, if, if the war was declared, it was a, a war effort, and everybody had a different atmosphere. Some people claim that, and I never quite understood this when I first heard it, they said, as soon as you call it defense, it's different. People are more open to it, but uh, and psychologically, they're going to accept it. But uh, but in a way, you say, well, it should be defense. It shouldn't be war. But it's it's what it means. War war means trouble. Defense means that you can do anything you want. And if we've had all this defense, especially you know, 150 years, and we've been in in constant wars over it. So we really have. Not that I think changing the definition would work anymore, but it makes a point that it's part of the propaganda, yeah. you know, because they feel better about, def you, you mean, you can't, you can't defend, you can't, you, you can't defend your own country? You know, that's why well, they throw it back at you. That's such an important point, you know, they, that semantics is so important. Because, yeah, we should have a Department of War. If we go to war, we should go to win it <laughs> yeah. and go home. Well, the last thing we want to mention is uh, someone who we have admired throughout the COVID um, fiasco, uh, and that is Justin Hart. He's, uh, I believe, a statistician, uh, and he's followed this very closely. Uh, he's, he's just a brilliant guy. He's got a brilliant substack. People should look into it for sure. But this is a tweet that captured a lot of attention, two million views on this tweet, and it is just devastating. And he says, to repeat, they got everything wrong. He's talking about COVID so-called experts got everything wrong. Transmission of the disease, wrong. Asymptomatic spread, wrong. PCR testing, wrong. Fatality rate, wrong. Lockdowns, wrong. Community triggers, wrong. Business closures, wrong. School closures, wrong. Quarantining healthy people, wrong. Impact on youth, wrong. Hospital overload, wrong. Plexiglass barriers, wrong. Social distancing, wrong. Outdoor spread, wrong. Masks, wrong. Variant impact, wrong. Natural immunity, wrong. Vaccine efficacy, wrong. Vaccine injury, wrong. And he finishes by saying, did they get a single thing right? Yes, Justin was right about this tweet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's all there is to it.
No, it couldn't be that bad, but it has been that bad. We probably, I don't know whether there was any of those that we missed mentioning over the months, but, <laughs> but it certainly has added up. But you, you have to still go back to why doesn't the logic not set with the people and say, maybe we should re rethink our position. But boy, sometimes they just will not budge. They will not budge, and it's it's financial. It's total loyalty to the state. You know, in a in a more modest way than just uh, belonging to the military-industrial complex. They just go along with it. But I think the numbers have never been on their side. I think if it was strictly numbers, I think we win. But we are not as strategically placed as Soros has been. Yeah. I think Soros has been in the Soros atmosphere. He yeah. probably had a couple of allies. Uh, you know, he might have even uh, need know. He even had known Bill Gates yeah. or somebody. <laughs> and uh, they have their other strategies. So that uh, I think that's. Uh, uh, that, that it, this is reason why if people know this, the people shouldn't get despondent over it. And then when you think about it, you know, it, and right now, you know, I try to lean towards saying, well, there's a loophole in there. People still like like liberty, but. Uh, People are getting more despondent than I think they need to be. I don't think they have, grasp the message of liberty quite like they should because they should say, well, that's not complicated. And we just have to pe change people's minds because they're, they're already with us. And I think that that is a, a, a big difference. And, and, and the people, want, you know, it, uh, Majority-wise, I think we'd win it every single time, but uh, it's strategy. I mean, Soros took over what? What? What part of society hasn't he not influenced? Judicial system oh, is the yeah. big one, and the educational system, and uh, and and he was able to influence people into believing this stuff, and uh, that to me is such such a tragedy, and. Uh, what we have to do is present present the case in a very positive way, uh, which is not difficult. And uh, that, that, of course, uh, uh, I, I think right now, you know, things are bad. And that's why people are saying, well, it's the end of times. Yeah. But I keep thinking, well, I remember personally, and I certainly remember the discussion of people who had come back from World War One, World War Two, the Korean War and Vietnam, the big, the Great Depression, and the Greatest Generation, and you know this sort yeah. of time. So it's th those were really bad times. But you know, I think there was one difference. There was problem. There was bad stuff going on, and but I think people uh, were more spiritual in yeah. those those ways. We had a more rural uh, society. People had they helped. They were willing to help each other and take care of themselves more so, even though things, when you look at that, I mean, we dropped nuclear bombs on people and all this. That was horrible. And yet uh, <coughs> we survived it, uh, but we were deceived in thinking that the problem was solved instead of just saying, okay, let's close the books on all this war. What we need is NATO. Yeah. <laughs> we have to be prepared for war. So that's the nonsense. Yeah. So I don't think people should give up on the idea that peace is superior to war. I remember back in around 9-11 or before 9-11, even when the neocons were planning their war across the Middle East. I think it was Richard Pearl, but one of them was quoted of saying, we need a new Pearl Harbor to get people on our side. And this, I think Justin Hart 
in this Substack piece, and people really should look it up. I think he captures that same mentality around COVID because he points out all of these corrupt international organizations like the WHO, the, um, the, uh, the, the uh, Davos people, they had everything in place for their great reset, for the great power grab, for the great money grab. They were just waiting for something to emerge. And I think what Justin points out is that there always is an emergence of a new virus, a new novel coronavirus. He says there are strains of the Spanish flu still around, and, and that just always happens. So they were just poised, ready to pounce. And so when this new virus came out, uh, which they suspect and how it came from the lab as a lab leak, they pounced and they jumped, and they got their new Pearl Harbor, just like the neocons got theirs when they had the war on terror. And they admit that chaos is their goal. Yeah thinking if we can destroy the society, destroy the principles of liberty, then they can move in there with their newer version of Marxism, you know, a social Marxism, and, and uh, it, it'll be more acceptable. But uh, they, they uh, have, have done that, and I think that, uh, I think that the people, though, will make the, make the right cho- choice. Uh, the, the chaos is, is going to be there, and I think that uh, we, those of us who believe in you know free markets and personal liberty, it's an opportunity for yeah. us, basically because it's an educational thing. It's what, what are we going to replace it? I believe the chaos is coming, and I believe the Marxists did it on purpose, and I believe they think they're going to win, and I believe the evidence is is right now biased in their favor. But at the same time, if it's economics, we have to have a powerhouse. That's why we've been so interested in Austrian economic. An, uh, an understanding, just like socialism was as much economics as anything, and Keynesianism, which, which is just soft socialism and fascism and, and corporatism. So uh, I, I think that uh, this, this is a time that uh, we can't, we're going to keep talking about these things that we do talk about, but we still talk a lot about the principles of how a market works. Because if you want to feed people, you, you just can't say, oh, turn it over to the market, it'll happen. Because, and, and that's one thing, David Stockman, you know, we quote him a lot on yeah. history and um, political things, but he is a great economist oh, yeah, too. Yeah. So that, that is one thing, because that really, really is the answer. Instead, uh, we don't hear enough stories about the countries that in a period of time when they were more free market oriented, how much they were doing. The one example we already used today was, you know, the um, Cold War when it ended, the Russians and the Germans were talking to each other and they were supplying energy for each other until somebody else comes along and says, oh, you guys are having way too much fun yeah. and we're not making enough money by you guys selling the oil to each other. Yeah, uh, critical mass. Uh, well, I'm just going to close by thanking our viewers. It's great to be back with you. I tell you what, Dr. Paul, I met so many people in D.C. when we were marching from the from the uh, mall to the uh, White House who watched the show. You came up to me and you said you watched the show. You even got pictures with me. I feel sorry for your cameras. Um, but it was great to meet all of you. It felt great. I know you probably feel the same way to, to connect with people. We sit here in our studio, but really connect with real people who watch the show, who, who are interested in the ideas and want to have a discussion. So I want to thank all of you, those who were there, um, those who weren't who still watch the show. We got to do something. We got to start. It's starting now. Uh, it's time to stand up. As Dr. Paul always says, everyone has a talent. Everyone has a skill. 
we got to end this war, we got to end the warmongers before they get us into World War III. Dr. Paul? Very good. And I, too, want to share those uh, same uh, beliefs and experience that we had in Washington. Uh, you know, when, when they come up, especially young people who understand it, and they might have been studying and reading since they were teenagers in Durand Vale, and they'll come up and they'll be so sincere and be grateful and thank me. And, you know, I get a little embarrassed by it because they really, you know, seem so sincere and it's so nice of them to do that. And I try to tell them, you know, I'm glad, I, you know, I'm glad to meet you and I appreciate that. But the truth is, we're a little bit selfish too. We come to these because we like to come to you and we like to hear from you because I get energized. They say I energize them. And uh, maybe if it's true, that's, some, that's, uh, that's nice to know. But I'll tell you what, knowing the people that sincerely believe in a free society and peace, you know, they energize us because that's what we spend our time in. And that was one time we've had conferences and all uh, different, but this one was different because it mixed in the uh, foreign policy and the issue of peace. But, you know, peace is the big issue. You can have peace in, you know, war and peace and the military type of peace with the absence of war monitoring. But uh, peace, peace is something that we lost over COVID. And uh, it, it's lost all the time uh, domestically. So you, we have the morality of the individuals just as important as we have the international morality that brings about wars so unnecessarily. Those are the few of the reasons why we are going to continue in our effort to promote peace and prosperity. Come back soon. <laughs>